0: You're listening to episode 116 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about the effects of running on your musculoskeletal system. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational, and let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hey, runners, and welcome to episode 116. And hello, my guest today is my co-host, Ryan. Ryan, welcome. Thank you. And I want to start with your favorite, a blanket disclaimer that none of this conversation constitutes medical advice. But that everything said is merely an opinion as a whole. And if you have an emergency, call 911. (laughs) (laughs) You laugh, but in this country, you know, this country loves lawsuits. So, So Ryan, you're a radiologist. And maybe for those runners and runners from foreign countries that don't know exactly what a radiologist is, maybe you can tell us that. And is a radiologist really really also a doctor?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So... A radiologist has to go through medical school, then residency, and then fellowship. For me, you don't have to do a fellowship, but most people do. So, medical school is the same as any other doctor, it's the four years. Fellowship, or sorry, residency. For radiology, you do an intern year, which you can do in um, a general specialty or, or something different than radiology. Then you do four years of radiology residency. And then most people do at least a year of fellowship, which is a specialized area of radiology. In the intern year, you can do anything from like a transitional year, meaning you just kind of go around to different areas of medicine, or they can do a prelim medicine year where you basically just practice medicine, like general medicine. I did a prelim surgery year. So you do like a year of surgery. Um, and then you go into your radiology residency after that.
0: Oh boy, that sounds like a lot of years and a, a long career of uh, studying. So how many years did that take you all together?
1: So if you count after undergraduate, did you have a college degree? After that, there's four years of medical school, and in my case, six years of residency. So 10 years after your bachelor degree.
0: So I guess um we've just qualified you if, as an expert. If we were in court right now, that's what I would do. I would uh, talk about your credentials.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of an interesting perspective. So because you're a lawyer, so you could like kind of Come from that standpoint and cross examine me in a way or, or you're, you're laying out my credentials to, to qualify me, right?
0: Oh, yeah. I do that with every guest. Every guest, I say who they are and then I ask for them in their own words to explain who they are and what they do and how they came about their career. So then that way they qualify as experts. So, ching, ching, ching. Welcome to that. So. Let's talk a little bit about your specialty, musculoskeletal radiology. So let's talk about that. What does that actually mean? And why did you pick that?
1: So let's go back a little bit. So radiology, basically, I get trained in all the imaging modalities, essentially, x-ray, CT, MRI, ultrasound being the, the core ones. And so that's the four years. And then in musculoskeletal fellowship, you're basically focusing on imaging related just to the musculoskeletal system, which is like muscles and bones, essentially.
0: So, Ryan, that's cool. So you had your first job post-fellowship, which is post-residency, which is post-medical school at a hospital in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and you read a lot of the images from the Olympic Training Center, isn't that right?
1: Yes. So, um... We got to read all the images, the MRI images from the Olympic athletes that, that got scanned. The hospital is actually like right next to the Olympic Training Center. And I got to talk to the, uh, you know, the main doctor there, um, whenever he had questions or someone that, you know, had some injuries and needed imaging. Um, the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs is for a lot of like the ice skaters, the gymnasts, um, runners. Things like that, you know, some of the high level athletes that, you know, are famous don't necessarily go to the Olympic Training Center. They have their own training and stuff. So I didn't, I didn't really see, like, I wouldn't see Michael Phelps or something like that, but I would see a lot of other athletes. So it was kind of neat.
0: That's cool. So now you live in Fort Myers and you do a lot of the imaging for spring training, right?
1: So yeah, we do have a lot of spring training teams down here. And now I'm lucky enough that I get to read all the, or not all, but I read a lot of the imaging from the um, professional baseball players and even some hockey players when they're here for spring training. And so that's actually a lot of fun, too.
0: Well, I would kind of rephrase that and say they're lucky to have you... (laughs) read <laughs> their images but anyway so all right so let's roll into all things running so let me ask you when or why or in what cases would a runner be referred to your office for imaging when would that happen
1: so a lot of times a runner would might see their general doctor or an orthopedic surgeon sports medicine doctor of some sort then they would try to determine like based on what their Symptoms are what might possibly be going wrong with them, or what they might need to evaluate. And then, if it was something that they thought imaging would help, they would send them to get imaging. Um, we don't just only do imaging; you know, we all would also do injections and things like that. But sometimes they do it in the office. It all just depends on the doctor and the situation. But so yeah, so if they typically they think that something bad's going on, like there's something it's broken in the knee we call it internal derangement in the knee or shoulder anywhere else typically runners be knee or hip or tib fib or something like that but and so if they they're concerned about some of the major structures having problems they would send them for imaging
0: okay So let's talk about the types of imaging that are necessary for, you know, detecting whatever is wrong. So we got the CAT scan, um, which I guess I had an injury at some point and you told me a CAT scan was unnecessary. So maybe let's start by defining the differences of those images and in which case what is detected for. So particularly, let's talk about x-rays, MRIs. CAT scans or CT scans, and then the ultrasounds.
1: So the imaging I end up seeing most of or reading most of is MRI, just because that's my specialty. And I guess more general radiologists can read the other modalities, you know, and I guess they have more trouble with MRI. Reason being is that MRI is Give you a lot of information more so than the other ones. It's also usually the most expensive, but it gives you the most information. So MRI is magnetic resonance imaging, and it's a really strong magnet. And essentially what it does is all the cells have some polarity, meaning a positive or negative side. And when you get into the magnet, which is always running, the magnet's always on when you're in the, when you're in the room, not in the room, it aligns all those small poles in one direction and then it takes and pushes it out of its direction and allows it to go back to its resting state all aligned with the magnet. And it just times how long it takes to do that. And each structure of your body takes a little bit, a le- little bit different time. So like fat takes some time, water takes some time and they're different. And it measures that difference, and that's how it creates an image out of it. So, it's more complicated than that, but I'm hopefully explaining it in a way that makes a little bit of sense.
0: Yeah, it does. And But is it like an image, or is it a film type of thing where you can scroll around in it?
1: So, the computer just gets all these different times, and it it puts it all together into an image, <clears throat> and it uses, like, basically different shades of gray to represent different structures. And... It's each like each time you repeat, you can do an image. You can set the parameters differently so that you can create an image that, you know, makes all the fat bright. You can create an image that makes all the water bright. And so you have all these different images that tell you a little bit of different information and you can put all that together to figure out what's going on. And that's why I like it a lot. The great thing about MRIs is you do a, you kind of repeat the imaging. Say of your, just for an example, your knee. So you take images of your knee, but you do that several times and each time you do different sequences of what they're called. So each of these sequences gives you different information. And so then you have multiple repeat images of a body part, each of, each of these images giving you different information and you have to put it all together. And I like MRI the best because it gives you the most information. So it gives you the, to me, in my opinion, in most cases, it gives you the best chance of giving an answer or a diagnosis.
0: Okay, so then maybe from there, take me to the CT or CAT scan. What is the difference between how these are taken?
1: Um, so the CAT scan is basically an x-ray tube that's spinning really fast in a circle and is taking x-rays as it's doing that. And it takes thousands and thousands of x-rays and again uses a computer to kind of reproduce them or reconstruct them into essentially like what can be turned into a 3D image of the body. And we see it in two dimensions, but then we can scroll through in the third dimension to get kind of through it and you can make 3D images out of it. Anyway, CT, basically the information that you get back is density and that's all it does. So bones will be whiter because anything dense is whiter, fat will be darker, because things that are less dense are darker. And you can actually measure and get a very accurate density, essentially, of whatever structure it is. And that's the only information it gives you. So it doesn't give you like, whereas MRI can give you fat content, water content, things of that nature, like CT only gives you density. It's either dense or it's not dense. And because each structure in your body is slightly different density, that's how you get an image that looks like anatomy or it looks like
0: a person. Okay. So you basically already explained through that what an x-ray is, even though I should have asked you what an x-ray is first. So, and then my last one is the ultrasound. What, um, the ultrasound, how does that work?
1: Yeah. So well, just to go back for a second. X-ray is essentially similar, like you said, to a CT, but it's just one image. So you take one image. And the difficulty with x-ray is everything is overlapped. And so a lot of times in musculoskeletal, you take multiple images, usually like three or so, just depends on what it is. That way you get different angles because if you look at something only at one angle, you can easily miss fractures. You can, you can just not see them completely because if all the stuff overlaps, you're not, you're not seeing everything in detail. And then, um, to answer your, Next question, ultrasound. Uh, ultrasound is sound waves. So it just shoots sound waves, and it times how long it takes to get back, essentially. And by the differences in time it takes to get back, it helps determine what structure it is. Um, so, And the sound waves can penetrate, too. So some will penetrate just the skin surface and come back right away. So it says, oh, there's something there. Stuff will go further deeper and come back. well, that took longer, so it tells you like what level it is and and you know that there's stuff down there. The disadvantages for ultrasound is it doesn't really see through bone like it hits bone. It's like a sound like hitting a wall. It's like as soon as it hits bone, it just stops, and so you don't you can't really see into the bone. but it's good for the soft tissues, meaning the stuff that's outside because it can see decent detail on that stuff. you know must it's uh, ultrasound is becoming more popular in musculoskeletal imaging. It can see things like your rotator cuff of your shoulder. You can look at the like say the anterior part of your knee, like the tendons in front of your knee. Those can see really well. You can't really see inside the knee. I mean, you can kind of see the meniscus a little bit, but it's limited. Same with the shoulder, like you can't really see the shoulder joint much. You can see the rotator cuff like a little bit. MRI gives you a lot more detail and more information though. Um, so the other thing is, you know, the time it takes for an exam, you know, uh, x-ray will be really quick. You know, they go in, they take an image, it's done. CT will probably be the next. It's really quick too, because the scanner spins really fast and it can take images. You'll be done really quick. Ultrasound is longer because it, the technologist has to go and look at everything individually. Ultrasound, you can imagine, is like a horse with blinders. You can see, but you can only see exactly where you're pointing it. So they have to search around and find everything. And it's really dependent on the tech, too, that they're doing a good job. Because the radiologist will only see what the tech shows us. Um, and so you can imagine it's like, in some cases, it's like looking for a needle in a haystack. MRI... Has a bunch of different sequences, so it can take longer. It can take like a half hour or something.
0: It's crazy how many different ways there are to get images of our body parts, and I'm sure stuff is still developing. Like you just said, that you know, ultrasound is being used for other things as well. But so, can you maybe talk to us about the safety of all these different types of imaging? I know there is uh, radiation and that kind of stuff involved with some of them. So, for the CT scan, the X-rays, the MRI. And the ultrasound, what are the safety uh, issues?
1: CT and x-rays give ionizing radiation, which the data we have for that is through like Chernobyl or other nuclear reactors that, that give out radiation and how they affect people over time. And they extrapolate down to the doses, which are smaller in imaging, to give an estimation of what the risk would be. And the risk theoretically is... With ionizing radiation, you can potentially cause cancer, um, and it it does it does happen in people that get like radiation therapy for cancer because they're getting very high doses of radiation. Um, the science isn't perfect with regards to imaging because the doses are much lower, and we don't know how much of that is extrapolated appropriately from higher doses versus how much your body can kind of take some radiation without harm. But there's theoretically harm with that. Ultrasound does cause some heating and other stuff in tissues because it's sound waves being pushed through, but has been shown to be very, very safe. MRI also very, very safe. It actually has electric magnetic radiation, which is different than ionizing radiation. And there has been some reports of like, leukemia or other things it's like blood cancers in train operators that are like exposed to extremely high amounts of electromagnetic radiation for long periods of time but for all intensive purposes mri is essentially like very 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 safe
0: all right so now let's talk about running injuries what are the most common running injuries you think that you would probably see on a daily or on a daily weekly whatever basis
1: So I don't see like the typical running injuries necessarily. That would be like a general practitioner or orthopedic surgeon or something like that. They come to me when they need imaging or so. So that's typically like they think something else is going on. Something else internally is going on. So most commonly with runners, it would be um, like hips and knees and ankles, I guess. Um, And tib, fib. So tibia, fibula or the lower leg. Um, So those are the most common things I see. And then... Tendenopathy, you know, is very, is relatively common or either meniscal or labral tears is common or chondral injuries or injuries to your cartilage.
0: Okay so that's that's a that's a bunch. I guess it's uh, the running injuries that we as runners get and they are so persistent that we end up seeing a doctor and and getting that order for for having imaging done. So what type of imaging would you do for you know in general most of them or maybe you can go into a few of them a little bit and say which imaging would be best for and why? Also, maybe why a CT scan wouldn't be the best for a certain type of injury.
1: We actually, we, we pretty rarely see CT scans for musculoskeletal stuff. It's actually relatively rare and probably a good thing because it does have the highest amount of radiation. Um, there are some instances where CT would be useful, but for the most part, MRI and ultrasound are probably the mainstream with x-rays just being common and convention. Um, x-rays are are good but mostly like a rule out type of thing so like meaning that you have something your leg hurts you get an x-ray okay you don't have a major fracture or like you know pretty serious stress fracture or something like that um when i talk about menisci joint surfaces tendons things like that mri or ultrasound are gonna be the best Ultrasound, as I said before, is good for superficial stuff. Like you can look at your quadriceps tendon, your patellar tendon, your Achilles tendon, plantar fascia, things like that. Superficial, it's pretty good. can't see bones, can't see joints. MRI can see the soft tissues, the muscles, tendons the best. It can see the joints the best out of all the imaging. Um, so definitely it's like... I would say the gold standard or the best imaging to really determine what's going on. But like I said, also be it's expensive and, you know, probably only needed in cases where they really think that something is going on.
0: Right. Because a lot of the times I think you have told me that stuff that we runners do we do, we overdo stuff and then you have overuse injuries and there's really no cure but rest for them.
1: Yeah, some of these overuse injuries, they're, they're very difficult because your body's in a constant state of repair and strengthening. So when you run, your body's constantly trying to strengthen. It uses whatever, you know, whatever you use, you, the theory is you create some micro injury in, you know, cartilage and menisci and tendons or whatever. And your body's constantly repairing and building up and making stronger. So if you have an injury and you completely rest, then you don't um, have that rebuilding or strengthening process happening. And then when you try to go back into it, you could make some things worse or get more injury because now your body hasn't been conditioned for that. Where also if you have an injury and you keep running on it, you keep making it worse because it keeps surpassing the body's ability to repair itself. So it's a, it's a difficult thing. And I think, a fine line and and it's kind of custom it needs to be customized for each individual that's hard
0: yeah so normally when you see someone and you do diagnose a person with something say for example it's an overuse injury i don't know what you would see to make you think that but maybe you can tell us one what would you see and two can you really tell the difference whether something is chronic or acute and then after you have found this injury, what's the repair or what's the treatment for it?
1: So the easiest the easiest things to see are things that are torn because those are pretty easy to see. It's like, I think a lot of people think that it's like a yes or no or, you know, a checkbox. This is broken, not broken. And most of the case, it's not true. But when something's torn, you know... It's usually pretty easy to see. If you have a big tear in a meniscus, what happens is is the joint fluid fills that tear and it looks different. And so I can tell that it's there. There is some questionable ones or small ones that are difficult to see, but sometimes it makes it really easy. If you have like a torn tendon or torn ligament, it's it's pretty, pretty good because you can see it, especially with MRI, you can see them really well. Um... Other things like... See, I always like to refer to it as Um Technically, you have teninitis, but itis means inflammation. And so if we see like edema around a tenant, which just means fluid, an MRI is great at seeing fluid. Anything that's... It doesn't actually have to be fluid like water. It can just be like microscopic fluid in the tissue that's greater than normal. We can see that on MRI. So that means... Something's going on with it. And tendinopathy means there's pathology, something wrong with the tendon. Itis, like tendonitis, means that it's actually inflamed. So technically, it should be left more to the orthopedic surgeon, sports medicine doctor, something to see whether or not it's actively inflamed. Whereas I can just say it's tendinopathy, meaning that there's something wrong with that tendon. Um, And so what I'll see, as I was saying before, if it's torn, it's pretty easy. If it's not torn, a little bit more difficult, but I can say, I can see that the tendon or like a rope that's holding the muscle to the bone is thicker than normal or thicker than the ones around it. And it has edema in it or fluid in it. So it's expanded and has fluid in it. Could have fluid around the outsides of it, suggesting that, you know, there is some pathology or something going wrong with that tendon. And so that's generally what I look for. And those are the ones that are a little bit subjective and so it's not like I was saying with the tendon tear yes or no it's kind of a little bit more opinion
0: which makes it harder for us runners because obviously we want to one know what is wrong with us and two (laughs) how many weeks is it going to be until we can run again
1: yeah it is hard um I think typically, yeah, they they say certain things like ligaments or bones and stuff like that it usually take six weeks or so to heal. Everyone's different. You know, tendons can be the same. And like I said before, it's just really difficult because like stopping completely is not the answer because maybe it is the answer in the short term. Like if you have an acute injury, you stop, you rest it, you let it heal, make sure nothing major is going on. And then after you let it rest, you I think the best is to kind of gradually get back into it and... Try to allow your body to strengthen without overdoing it to where it injures it worse.
0: Yeah, it's that fine line. All right. So let me ask you a more fun question. Well, I guess it's not fun, but I know you and I talked to. each other a lot about knees and the fact that there's a big myth or at least there was a big myth in the running community that people that run get bad knees and i would love to hear your opinion about it and also some things that you have seen at work in regards to shape of knees depending on people
1: yeah so there's some controversy about that so look it up and do it on your own if you want the exact um You know, up to date knowledge. I can only tell you what I've, because I'm kind of interested in it. So I see it occasionally. But basically, you know, what you were alluding to was in the past, they always thought, you know, you have, say, a certain number of miles that you can put on your knees as a runner, after which, you know, you're just done. And the reality is that's probably not the case. Um, It kind of goes back to what I was saying is you're creating, your body's in a constant state of, it's a constant dynamic kind of state. And so as you're running, it's micro injuries that are repairing themselves and strengthening themselves. And, um, it's not just like a tire on your car where once it runs out of tread, it's done. And so in my experience, personally, a lot of runners that I see have actually had, better looking knees than people that don't run and better looking knees, meaning like the cartilage is in better shape. The tendons and ligaments are, you know, cleaner looking and nicer looking more like a person younger than their actual age. And that doesn't mean that running is the fountain of youth and necessarily that's just what I see. Um, problems with that, information is is you know there's going to be different people and this is all biased in studies and they 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 do all sorts of research in this too but the people that i end up seeing maybe the people that are more active and in sports and related to stuff like that so i might be seeing a subset group of people i'm not seeing the people that are at home on the couch and having zero issues who might have beautiful knees but they're not having any issues so they don't go to the doctor they don't get imaging and i don't see them. so there's always that case. But I do see a lot of people that are inactive or so, and they have a lot of osteoarthritic changes or just degenerative change in their knees. And I see, you know, runners and people that are very athletic and active, and their knees look like 10 or 20 years younger than what I typically see in that age group. And so that's just my observation and so it just i think reiterates what some of the newer data shows that it's not like a limit to how many miles you can run and then your knees are going to go out but after given given that there's also some things like if you've had prior injuries some people are just genetically prone whether or not their anatomy or whatever it is those some of those people will get worse with more running Because there's something, either structurally it's not 100% correct, whether it's congenital, meaning they were just born with it, or whether or not they had some injury that happened that made it structurally not perfect. And in some of those cases, the more they run on it, the more they work on it, the worse it's going to get by far.
0: Awesome. So thank you so much um, for enlightening us and spreading the news about this uh, mystified Stuff when it comes to imaging, you know, I feel I'm, I'm lucky in the position that you are very knowledgeable when it comes to running and running injuries. And I was not like that before because I wasn't around a musculoskeletal radiologist. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool to, well. Cool and not so cool to to have that because one, you give me advice that sometimes I don't want to hear. But (laughs) also, just like anyone else, I want the black and white answer. I want the clear indication of exactly how many days I have to stay off my feet for this stuff to heal. And a lot of the time, it just doesn't seem like there is a real solution to our running injuries because while we have all this information and ability to, to image our bodies there's still a lot of room i guess for improvement when it comes to figuring out the best treatment for each person yeah i think
1: that's a big part of it is they can they can kind of give like guidelines but the the facts are that everyone's different and then i think hopefully in the future that one treatment fits all will go away and then it'll be more customized i know they've already been starting to try it or 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 experiment with it with drugs and stuff like that too like you know medications that they need for certain treatments and the same could be done for and it in, in a way is done for like rehabbing injuries or fixing injuries like it it really needs to be catered to each individual cuz everyone's going to kind of go at different rates a little bit
0: which is super hard because not only do we go at different rates when it comes to uh, healing but we also have different rates of as you and I always talk about having pain thresholds right there are some people who get hurt really easily they bruise easily but they also feel the pain a lot more than other people
1: yeah I think it's hard especially in America for people it's like you know they want like they have their car and if they get a flat tire you just go and you get the tire fixed and it's fixed and it's done and that's it and it's very simple it's very easy to understand and it's very gratifying and then In the body, unfortunately, is very dynamic, like I referred to before. It's like it's not it's not dynamic meaning it's constantly moving, it's constantly changing, it's constantly like trying to heal and repair and and so there isn't a way to just simple fix almost anything. It's like everything is complex and it takes time. But in a way it's also beautiful because the body, unlike a car, if you pop the tire, it's not just gonna magically start fixing itself but your body does your body will usually always try to fix itself and so it's always repairing and getting better um if there's an injury so it's kind of in a way it's good but also makes things complicated
0: yeah it's so true you said that very beautifully (laughs) so that's that you ready to uh make some dinner (laughs) (laughs) sure all right guys until next time happy running Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.